Well, good morning. Let's do it again. Good morning. I am so glad you're here. I'm going to start out with a question. If you could pick one word, I'm going to get your brains going. Have you had your coffee? You got to get your brains going this morning. If I could ask you one word that would sum up the goal of your life. I mean, it'd be hard to nail down one word, right? But think of one word that might capture the essence of what you represent, of who you want to be, of what you want to accomplish, what your character is, what your nature is, what you want your legacy to be. Like one word that would sum up what you want from your life. Now, this question was asked to a lot of people, and their answers were pretty predictable. Like, I think you would think some of them. Like, one of the answers, top three, successful. I actually like that word. Influential. I like that one, too. Happy. You would have anticipated that one, right? Successful, influential, happy. I mean, I'd like to be successful. God wants us to be successful. I hope you're successful in everything that you do. The word influential is good. We're called to be influential in our life. You know, Jesus said that his followers are supposed to be salt and light. And the reason he chose those two is because they're influencers. When salt is applied, you know it's there. And when salt is absent, you know it's gone. When lights are turned on, you know they're there. When lights are turned off, you live in the darkness. We're supposed to be influencers. We're called ambassadors for the kingdom of God on earth. We're supposed to make a difference in this world. So the word successful is a good one. The word influence is a good one. And then there's happy. How many of you want to be happy? Right? That's a good one too. But as you look through the scriptures, there's another word we have to add to the list. And we need to bump it really, really high on the list. Because when we get to heaven, What Jesus is not going to say to the person who pleased him is, well done, my good and successful friend. He's not going to say that. He's not going to say, well done, good and influential friend. He's not going to say that. He's not even going to say, well done, good and happy man or woman. He's not going to say that. But what he is going to say to those who please him is, well done, my what? good and faithful servant. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and I want you to say you're looking faithful today. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're looking faithful today. Right? We're in a message series called Choices and Changes. The choices we make lead to the changes that we want. And when life changes in ways that you didn't choose, you still have choices to make your life better. We're talking about the power of choices that we have in our life because we know the quality of our choices determines the quality of what? Our lives, right? Our futures, our families, where we go in life. Today we're going to look at the choice to be faithful. And the reason we're looking at pre-choosing faithfulness, deciding to be faithful before we have to be faithful, deciding before we're in the heat of the moment, deciding before we're emotionally all tied up in some circumstance, we're pre-choosing faithfulness is because consistent faithfulness will not accidentally happen. You won't just stumble into consistent faithfulness. You might stumble into being faithful from time to time, but listen to this, that's a contradiction. 
faithful time to time, erratic, undependable, unpredictable. That's not faithful. Faithful is that steady certainty that you can count on. And that doesn't happen without intentionality. The reason that we find it difficult to be faithful is because we tend to live toward what's easy. The trajectory of everybody's life is toward what's easy. Even in neurology, even in brain science, this is how our brain works. Our brain goes down the most familiar path, the easiest path, the easiest decision. That's what our brain has to go toward. The trajectory of our life is always going to be toward the convenient unless we're paying attention. And when it comes to being faithful, especially faithful to God, doing what's right, that's rarely going to be easy. That's rarely going to be convenient. Matter of fact, most often it's going to be hard. It's going to come with a cost, but it's always worth it. To establish our tone for today, I want to look at the writing of an ancient Hebrew prophet. You have maybe never heard of his name, Habakkuk, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures. And I want you to look at what he said. He said, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their what? By their faithfulness to God. You know anybody who's proud? Don't point at them. Don't elbow them. We're all going to leave friends today, right? But the scripture says, look at the proud and what happens. Their lives become crooked. Because the proud trust in their own wisdom. The proud trust in their own knowledge. They trust in their own righteousness. They trust in their own goodness. They trust in their own bank accounts. They trust in their own abilities. They trust in themselves, and then they get off course. Their life isn't straight and steady. It's nothing like faithfulness. Matter of fact, it's crooked, or that means erratic. But the righteous live by faithfulness. Now, full disclosure, I've had times in my life when I was proud. Times in my life when I was the one who thought, I can do it on my own. Anybody else had those times? Like, I I, I don't need God right now. I'm feeling a little self-sufficient. And guess what? That always led to crooked. My thinking was crooked. My decisions were crooked. My relationships were crooked. My health was crooked. The Bible says you look at the proud and they trust in themselves. And we end up crooked. So the intentional choice here is to become righteous. And the way we become righteous is to live by... I'll start over. (laughs) It's to live by what? Faithfulness. Now that raises the question, what does it mean to be faithful? How do we practically live that out? Jesus took a different tact on this than you might uh, suspect. Like if you look through the scriptures... Every time Jesus used the word faithfulness, every time he discussed faithfulness, what you find is that he addressed it always in three different buckets. Like there were three specific ways that Jesus consistently said, this, this, and this is how you live faithfully to God. Three categories. Whenever he talked about it, that's what he said. These three ways. It's how you treat people. It's how you manage your resources. And when he talked about faithfulness, he said, it's also how you respond to God prompting you to do something. How you treat people, 
how you manage your resources, and how you respond to God when he asks you to do something. First, Jesus said, if you're going to be faithful, you're going to add value to people's rela- in your relationships. You're going to add value in relationships. The second time Jesus talked about faithfulness, he says, every resource you have, every resource you have is an opportunity to multiply because Jesus defines faithfulness in how we manage what he trusts us. And then the third way we show faithfulness, every prompting from God is an opportunity to what? Is to obey God. So that's what we're going to dive into today. You ready? Some of you ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. Here we go, all right? We're going to choose, we're going to choose that every interaction with every person is an opportunity to add value. Now, what does that mean? That means wherever you go, every person you meet, everybody you talk to, every time you have lunch with a friend, every time you have an interaction at work, every time you're sitting down with a family member, that's an opportunity to bless someone. That's an opportunity to encourage someone. That's an opportunity to be generous. That's an opportunity to add value to someone else's life. We're going to show the love of God in a way that brings value, adds blessing. And here's the big idea here. This is about making your life about other people and less about yourself. Well, Brad, that's no fun. I mean, who felt slighted this week by somebody and you're still thinking about it and it's been days ago? Anybody felt slighted? I feel a little slighted. Nobody raised their hand. Think about you all week long. How many of you had an exchange with friends or family? And after that time with friends or family, you started making assessments. Did they meet my needs? You know, that person hasn't returned my text. They didn't make me feel like I was a priority. And we tend to think that way because life generally, for most people, it's all about us. It's all about us. We come away from social encounters like, did they like me? Was I stupid? Should I have said that? Like we analyze everything. What did I say? Did I embarrass myself? Why do we do that? We make it all about who? We make it all about us. What if instead, We went into all of our social interactions, and it's because Jesus lives in you. We choose to go in asking afterward, did I lift them up? Did I leave them better? Do they feel more loved? Did I show them Jesus? Does this make sense to you? See, you can become the person who chooses, who pre-chooses that you're going to think differently in that interaction. It's mindset. I'm going into this and I'm going to add value and I'm going to bless the people I'm with. This is a form of faithfulness to God. In fact, there's a scripture. It's in the Christian uh, side of the Bible, the Christian scriptures. It's in a book called Ephesians written by a man named Paul. And look what he said. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. Why? for building others up, for adding value according to whose needs. Now listen, let's just stop right there. What do we do? Most of our interactions were assessing our needs. 
But to be faithful to Jesus, we're in social interactions and we're assessing their needs. Less about us, more about others, so that it will benefit those that are listening. I love this. To be faithful to God, you add value to people. You walk into a room. And because you walked into that room, the climate of the room improves. You walk in with the confidence that you're going to be adding value to everybody that you encounter. Your chest is high. Your eyes are clear. You're not shrunken down in your own stuff. What are they going to think about me? What do I look like? That's stupid. Do these shoes match? And you just get out of your head and you allow yourself to think about others. You're not thinking about you. That stinking thinking. You walk in thinking, I'm going to be an encourager today. I'm going to find somebody I can bless today. I'm going to find somebody that I can build up today. I'm going to find somebody I can breathe life in to today. These people are going to be better because I was here. These people are going to be more joyful because I was here. These people are going to have more faith because I was here. These people are going to feel more love from God because I was here. Would that change the way you walked into a room? Yes or no? Sure it would. I teach this when I coach people on public speaking. You're only nervous in public speaking because you're obsessing about yourself. How will I look? What will people think? Will people walk out? Will they throw anything at me? I think that one at church. I I think that one (laughs) at church. But when you flip that from you to them, when you're confident that what you're going to say on stage adds value to people's life, when you believe you're going to pour something in that will improve their lives, you're not thinking about how you look, what they're going to think about you. You're thinking about what you can give to them. You show up differently. Does this make sense? So when you speak, you're being faithful to God because it's not about you, it's about your audience. I just gave you $1,000 in public speaking coaching. You're welcome. You're welcome. I take tips. When you look at what Jesus did and how he treated people, the words he said to people, you see this all the time. On one occasion, his disciples were worried. They were really stressed out. Let me tell you what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, well, you better worry because the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Jesus didn't say that. Have you seen the news? Oh, my gosh. Jesus never was wringing his hands. Never wringing his hands. It's going from bad to worse. The economy, oh, the recession, oh, my bills, oh. Jesus never said that. Never did that. What did Jesus say? He said, you're so worried about what you're going to wear. You're so worried about what you're going to eat. You're so worried about how your bills are going to get paid. He said, look at those birds. Aren't they beautiful, the colors? And they're eating. They're going to find shelter tonight. Your heavenly Father did that for them, Jesus said. And if he cares about the birds, imagine how much more he cares for you. You see what Jesus did? He didn't tear them down further. He didn't add to their distress. He didn't pile on their misery. He alleviated their burden and he breathed life into them. 
there was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Like, in the act of adultery. I mean, I always wonder, what were those self-righteous, judgmental men doing looking through the windows anyway? But that's another story. What did Jesus say to her? Did he say, oh, well, shame on you, sinner. He didn't do that. He could have turned his back on her. He didn't do that. Instead, when this group of self-righteous, judgmental men were circling up with rocks in their hands to kill her, Jesus knelt next to her. He wrote something in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. But whatever he wrote caused all the men in that circle holding rocks to walk away. And then Jesus said, where are your accusers? And she said, well, there, there aren't any. And with love in his heart, he said, neither do I condemn you. Now, what he did say is stop doing dumb stuff. Stop doing what's hurting you and hurting the heart of God. He conveyed to her that she mattered to God. And I think he was trying to teach her how to matter to herself. You see what he did there? He didn't beat her up. He lifted her up. When a disciple of Jesus named Peter was afraid, he was afraid of what people would think of him, afraid of what would happen if he was known to be a follower of Jesus, he denied that he even knew Jesus. Matter of fact, he did that three times. I don't even know him. Don't even know him. And Jesus heard him do that. You know what Jesus could have done? He could have said, well, Peter, you're canceled. Can't trust you now. You're out. But what did Jesus do? Next time they talked, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He said, more than anything. More than anything. You sure you love me? I really love you. Peter, I'm going to ask you just one more time. He asked him three times. Corresponded with the three denials. Do you love me? He said, yes, with all my heart. He said, then, i got a job for you. I want you to go take care of my followers. I want you to feed people the words of life that you've learned from me. Go show my love. Go forgive gracefully. Peter, you still have a purpose. Your life still has meaning. You still have a mission. There's a plan and a future for people who fail, Peter. And there's a plan and future for you. Do you see what Jesus did there? How like that are you with other people? See, in every interaction you have with anyone, you can show the love of God. You can build others up. You can be a conveyor of grace. You can walk away having been a blessing in someone's life. That is faithfulness to God. Say it. That is faithfulness to God. You might have a chance to do that today. You may not even get out of this building before God lets you bump into someone or lock eyes with someone and immediately you know, I have a divine assignment here to speak hope or blessing over this person. You have no idea what a little word of encouragement might mean to somebody that you speak to today. Pre-choose. Just decide. This is who you're going to be. That in every interaction with every person, you're going to show love and you're going to be a blessing. Deal? Deal. A second way that we're going to be faithful to God 
is to choose that every resource is an opportunity to multiply. I think this is going to surprise some people here. Every resource is an opportunity to multiply. In the very first section of the Christian New Testament, it was written by a former tax collector, uh, kind of a, a thief and a rotten guy, and then he started following Jesus. And Matthew is the first book that you are introduced to in our New Testament. And in Matthew, Matthew recorded a parable that Jesus told about a rich man who had a lot of gold. But he's getting ready to leave the country, so he wants his gold to be taken care of. So he gives five bags of gold to one of his servants, and he gives two bags of gold to another servant. He gives one bag of gold to the third servant. And then he went away, and he said, Now, when I come back, I'm going to ask you to give an accounting of what you did with the gold. The two, the guy had five bags, the guy had two bags. They went out and they put the gold to work immediately. Matter of fact, in Jesus' story, they invested that and they multiplied it. They multiplied it. They made more of it. They did something with it. They were entrepreneurial. They doubled what the master gave them. And when the master came back and asked them, what did you do? They said, we doubled it. And the master said, well done, good and faithful. There's a word faithful, servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Jesus taught them. It's as if Jesus was saying, you multiplied what I gave you. And in God's economy, in the kingdom of God, that's called faithfulness. The Greek word for faithful is the word pistos. Say pistos. Pistos. Literal definition. A person who shows himself faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, and the discharge of duties. One way we show faithfulness to God is to build a successful business. Think about that. One of the ways that you could be faithful to God is simply by caring about the opportunities that God puts in front of you and then multiplying your opportunities by improving your situation, by taking care of what's been entrusted to you. God gives you a body. You take care of that. God gives you an apartment or a condo or a house, and you make sure you take care of that. God gives you a car. You make sure you take care of that. And if you're in business, you just be really good in business. It's one of the most God-honoring things that you can do. I mean, this is surprising. Some people say, you mean to be in business? Like, to be faithful to God, I pray, yeah. To be faithful to God, I love people, yeah. To be faithful to God, I read the Bible, yeah. To be faithful to God, I also do business with integrity and honesty and profitability. That also is faithful to God, yeah. Because why? God trusted you with a bag of gold. God trusted you with an opportunity. That also is faithfulness. So your job. Your work, anything you're creating, anything you're a part of, you honor God by making the most of it. Does this make sense? You tracking with me? From the very lips of Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the one who taught this parable. This is his story, and it's faithful to God when you multiply your resources. But to be fair, That story of Jesus wasn't over with what those first two guys did by multiplying their gold. There was still this third guy. He had gotten one bag of gold. 
And when the master came to him and said, so what did you do with yours? You know, first two, they did really well. I imagine you did something well with yours too. And the guy says, no, actually, I was afraid. I was afraid. I didn't want to make a mistake. So I buried it in the ground. But here it, here it is. Here's your one back. You know, I actually feel for this guy. Because there have been times in my life when I was afraid to make a mistake. I was afraid to take a chance. I was afraid to try. Has anybody else ever felt that way because of fear? Yeah, every hand just went up. Watch what the master says to him. You wicked and lazy servant. Ouch. (laughs) It's like, dang, that's tough right there. It was Theodore Roosevelt who challenged us to get into the arena. And he said, and even if we fail, at least we fail while daring greatly. What's your bag of gold? I mean, certainly it's the money that God gave you, the business God gave you, the talent God gave you, the ability God gave you, the sphere of influence that God gave you. And Jesus says, take a risk. At least try to make the most out of everything I give you. I could stay on this point all day. It's so important to understand that we're to make the most of our one and only life. We're to make the most of our one and only life. Let's say it. We're to make the most. Wait, 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 wait. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're to make the most of your one and only life. Say, you're to make the most of your one and only life. All right? Every interaction is an opportunity to add value. Every resource is an opportunity to multiply what God gave you. And then every prompting is an opportunity to what? Obey God. There's a follower of Jesus in the first century, a scholar and a writer and a teacher. I mean, this guy had it going on. His name was Paul, and he was a pastor for about three years in the city of Ephesus. And he loved being a pastor of that church. He loved those people. He was happy being a pastor with those people. But God prompted him. He was needed elsewhere. So we see in the Scripture that Paul had a very tender, very emotional farewell with that church. And what he said was, and now, what? Compelled by the Spirit. You see that prompting of God. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to paraphrase this. I don't know why God's sending me there. I don't know what God's going to do with me there. I just know God's asking me to go. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. I don't know the details. I'm just being drawn by God. It's a prompting from God. And listen, when you follow Jesus, He will prompt you. He'll compel you. And here's what faithfulness looks like. In that moment, you need to say yes. Let me give you three personal stories. 25 years ago, God prompted me to move from a church in Kentucky that I adored. I adored that church. I'd been there 10 years. And he asked me and my family to move to Orange County. Quarter of a century ago. I was four years old. 
It didn't make sense. We had just built a 3,000 square foot custom home on a quarter acre of ground. Our kids were happy, settled into their schools. They had great friends. But it was a clear prompting. It was a calling to step out of our comfort and into a new uncomfortable season. But one where I had influence and impact in service. That's what got me to California 25 years ago. Second story. 13 years ago, this month, a small group was meeting in October that were going to help me launch the next month, that November, the very first public service of this church, November 2009. How many of you were at the very first service of that church? Yeah, I mean, there's probably a dozen of you here. So much about me stepping back into ministry in those days did not make sense. Lots of people, I'd say most people, didn't want me to. I tried desperately to move to a new place, start a new life, but nothing opened up. But then God, in an amazing way, called me and prompted me to begin this church. And that's why you're here today. And that's why we have this church today. And it all started with a prompting and me saying yes to God. Third story. Currently in my life, God is asking me to expand my ministry into the marketplace, into the business community. He still wants me to stay here and be your shepherd and be your pastor. I'm not going anywhere. I'm like a bad cold. You can't get rid of me. (laughs) But he's asked me, to multiply my gifts and to reach people who aren't coming to church and to reach people who haven't found their way. And he's wanting me to expand the use of my writing talents. I'm a creator by nature. A creative person, always have been. But I've been playing small with that because when you put stuff out, you invite criticism. And I didn't want any of that. And he's invited me to speak outside the church. And I didn't want to do that. Because when you lift your head up, you invite criticism. And I didn't want any of that. And like all the other promptings in my life, this one also did not make sense to me. See, I'm at an age and a point in life when most people are winding down their careers. They're shifting to a lower gear. And God has clearly said to me, expand your reach, increase your influence, help more people find their highest and best God-given potential. I mean, if you think about it, it's crazy. It shouldn't be me, and it shouldn't be now. doesn't make sense. But it didn't make sense to come to California. And it didn't make sense to start this church. And it doesn't make sense at almost 64 to do more than I'm doing. But that's what God has asked me to do. And I have to lead by example, right? Here's the spiritual principle. Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. 
This is faithfulness. Obedience. See, sometimes you'll see the reason. Like, oh, I know why God would want me to do that. That makes perfect sense. Other times, you won't see the outcome. You won't know why. You won't know why God's putting you out there in an uncomfortable place, asking you to do things you'd rather not do. You won't know why. That's not your responsibility. This is your responsibility. Obedience to God. Does this make sense? What you do, you choose ahead of time. You give your yes to God now. Like, how scary is this? Whatever assignment you ever give me in my life, no matter how far into the future it might come, I am telling you today already, yes. That's what that means. Ahead of time, you pre-choose that when the prompting comes, your yes has already been handed in. Who's still with me? I want you to understand that God's going to do this in your life. Dang, Brad. (laughs) Tell me more stories about you. (laughs) He's going to do this in your life. He's going to put something on your heart. He's going to put someone on your heart. You got to minister to them. He's going to have something for you to do. He's going to have somewhere for you to go. And you're going to feel like I have. I don't want to do that. That's not comfortable. I'm a little bit afraid. But I'm supposed to tell you this. That obedience is your responsibility. If you want to be faithful to God. You choose because of faithfulness to respond to him with a yes. So let's review. I'm faithful when I add value to others. And I'm faithful when I multiply everything God has given me. And I'm faithful when I obey his promptings. Because remember what that weird prophet's name Habakkuk said? The righteous live by faithfulness to God. Now, I don't know who this is for today. But you need to hear it because I believe God is either speaking to you already or he's going to really, really soon. And it's going to change your life. You're going to have to step into a brand new season that you maybe have not considered. So I'm going to ask you to consider it now. Like, wonder how I can make more of an impact. Wonder how I can improve the lives of more people. Wonder how I can expand my reach. But God, I don't want to. Settle that now. Settle it now. That you're going to give your full yes to Him. Now, did I ever know 25 years ago that I'd be standing here today saying this to you? Nope. Did I ever know all the ways that God would show up in my life over this last quarter of a century now, that I would have spoken to tens of thousands of people in the last 25 years. Did I know that? No, I didn't. Do I know what he's going to do in my life in the next season? No. But I know he's leveling me up. I know he said, I am not going to let you settle. And honestly, that's what I was doing. 
Because that's where we go. We go to the comfortable. We go to the familiar. We go to the safe. But you will never be all you were created to be if you stay safe and comfortable. Did you hear that? I hope somebody heard that. The best you is at the next level of you. The best you is where? At the next level of you. So that's what I came here to say today. Something's coming. Something's coming. God's soft promptings can be easily ignored. Don't do it. Give God your full yes. Better stop before I cry. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you had something to say today. This was a word from you for all of us. A little scary, a little exciting. We're going to lean into the exciting part. little unknown, but the part we know is that you want our yes. So we're going to lean into the yes part of this. It's going to be fun to watch what you do in the lives of everybody who gives you a full yes. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.